wait for someone that's worth it. All right, let's get into this word. We've been go- jumping in our series of vision, a year of hope. And, and how many of y'all need a year of hope? I need a year of hope. And it's time for that. And, and Don has been, has, has been taking us through a journey, an amazing journey of vision. You know, and if, if you're a Christian, you know how usually in January, you know, a lot of, a lot of churches talk about vision. You know, it's time for vision. You know, maybe your boss in your workplace is like, all right, guys, new year, it's time to set, a, set some goals, set a vision. You know, and, and before I jump into what we're going to be talking about, I want to I stay here for a little bit. What is vision? We hear about it all the time. We hear a lot about it from Pastor Don and in church, but what is it? You know, you may not realize it or not, but we all have vision. You, why do you go to work on Monday? For the paycheck on Friday. You don't come to work. You guys don't go to Burroke Tool because it's a beautiful place and you're so excited to work. Right, Doug? You go because you have a vision to provide for your family, right? Now, why did you pursue your wife? Not just to have a great date that one day 10 years ago, you had a vision to get married. You had a vision to build a family. So, so each and every one of us, we're born with this, this idea of we want to prepare for the future right? We all have, you guys are, at least once a day, you are thinking about your future. You're thinking about the next step. What am I doing right now to get to tomorrow? But I don't want to just talk about that vision today. I want to talk about godly vision. Because this is not just a, a culture principle, a principle of the world. It's a godly principle. It says in the Bible, Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's God's word. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So God has already told us that we need to be a people of vision. So what is this godly vision? What does it mean to have God's vision? Well, to show you in a way, it could be like this. It could be coming to God in his throne room, coming with open hands and saying, God, what are you doing? What do you have for for my life? What is the vision you have for my life? But many of us come to God with our plans with our playbook and say, hey, can you bless this? There's a difference. There's a difference between coming to God with our own plans and coming to God open-handed and saying, what do you want for my life? And when we take a whole month to seek vision, to pray, and to fast, it's because we're asking, God, we need your help. What are you doing? Because what I have in my heart, what I have in my mind, by myself, by my own strength, I do not have what it takes to see your kingdom come to pass. What do you have? Where is your vision, church? Another way we can talk about God's vision is seeing with your eyes closed. Seeing with your eyes closed, that's a contradiction. No, that's how God has called us to have vision. Seeing past the physical. You need to close your eyes and see, take a glimpse with your spiritual eyes and see what God has for the future. For example, in the physical, you may see your second grader failing class and struggling with Zoom classes. But for a second, you need to close your eyes in the spiritual and see him graduating college. In the physical, you see your marriage going down to the drain, ending in divorce. But for a second, you need to close your eyes and see the spiritual and see God intervening in your marriage and bringing you guys back together. Where is your vision, church? 
What do you see? Where is your vision? You might see yourself in the physical laid off because of COVID and you see yourself in debt, showered in bankruptcy. But I need somebody to close your eyes, see in the spiritual eyes and see God, the provider, providing for his children. Where is your vision? At 14 years old, I was trapped in addiction of sexual sin and pornography. I had no hope. I was stuck. But for a second, I had to step out of the physical, look in the spiritual, and see myself living in freedom and living in purity. And I saw myself, I saw myself getting married to a beautiful woman of God, and she's here today. But I needed to step in God's vision. I needed to see that in God's vision. Where is your vision, church? If your vision is only in the physical, y'all need to go a little deeper. If your vision is only in the situation and circumstance that you're in right now, you need to seek God a little bit more. Because see, he has so much more than the physical for your life today. He has so much more than what's going on on January 24th, 2021. He has so much more, church. Where is your vision? And this morning, God is wanting to take us to a deeper level of a heavenly vision. A vision that's crazy. A vision that doesn't make any sense in the world's eyes. In the culture's eyes. In our government's eyes. Where's our vision? The people of God need to have a vision. And let's step into that today. Turn with me in your Bibles to to Joshua 1 verse 5. So last week I was preparing for the sermon, and at the same time, Don was preparing for his, and, and it was super crazy. I was getting pumped. I'm like, finally, I got a scripture. I'm ready to jump into my word. I head down to Pastor Don's office, and I'm like, Pastor Don, you know what? Um, no, I had to go down to ask him a question about something else. I'm like, oh, what you working on? Oh, the sermon. I'm like, cool. What, what's your scripture? He's like, Joshua 1.9. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Out of every verse... In this whole book, I'm already intimidated by this guy because I don't have the anointed vein and I have to preach after him. And now I got to read out of the same scripture that Pastor Don has to preach out of. You got to be kidding me. But to be honest, we need to really go deeper today because that means God is speaking. Because him and I, we didn't know that we were going through the same story. So this shows me because we know there's no coincidences in the kingdom, right? There's no such thing as coincidences. God has a plan for each and every part of our lives, including the scripture that we're jumping into today. So I encourage you to to really focus today. Joshua 1, we're going to start at verse 5 to to verse 9. It says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success... Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for another day to praise your name. God, it's by your mercy that we have breath to breathe. I pray you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome. In Jesus' name, everyone say. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So to give some context, God is telling this to, Mo- to Joshua because Moses just died. Moses is dead. What a way to start a book, the book of Joshua. Moses died, and now Joshua is the new leader. The Israelites, they've been wandering for 40 years, and finally, they're one step closer to the promised land. They're even close enough to see it. They're so close. They're so close. After 40 years of craziness, which should have been two weeks, fun fact, it wasn't a geographical issue. It was a trust issue. That's a whole other sermon. But after 40 years of wandering through the desert, God has finally placed them in front of the promised land. But the man that led them to that point is now dead. Can you imagine how how tough this is? Scriptures say that, that they took about a month just to mourn his death, everyone. They took time to mourn the death of Moses. This was serious. We're talking about Moses, the man that talked to the burning bush. Moses, the man that led the people out of Egypt. He's gone. And now there's a new leader, Joshua. New land. New leader. Same promise. Hold on to that. I just want to touch this real quick. I love the Bible so much because each and every book has a picture or a prophecy of Jesus. This book is all about Jesus. If you study, every single book has something different. And this book that we're reading is simply a reflection of him through Joshua. Wait, I thought his name was Joshua. It is, but it's also Jesus. Jesus is the anglicized Greek form of Joshua or Yeshua which means Jehovah the Savior, Jehovah saves. These names are identical. Think about that. Think how cool that is, Joshua and Jesus. And this isn't a coincidence. God did this on purpose to give us a picture that whatever Israel received in the promised land through Moses, through Joshua, is the same way how we receive salvation and eternal life through Jesus. You guys need to take a look at at this picture that we're experiencing the same freedom today. Just as Moses, just as Joshua, the savior of this time in a way, led the Israelites into the promised land the same way that Jesus came and died on the cross and saved us and brought us into our promised land of freedom and freedom from sin, freedom from shame. This is so cool. Anyways, that was a little whatever. Let's continue. New land, new leader. Same promise. In Exodus 3, we see God come to Moses in a burning bush. You remember that story? Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. It's time to leave Egypt. Now here we are. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Five books later. And God is telling the same promise to a new man. So that shows me that the promised land, that promise, that inheritance wasn't for Moses. It was for God's people. The vision is always greater than the individual. 
The vision, the promise that God has for us is greater than the individual. So that means the move of God, this thing that we've been praying for, this Bible college, the scholarships, all of that, it's not a promise for Don. It's for God's people. I hope you leave today catching the difference. The vision, the promise that God has for FFM is not for Don and Doug and Nancy and Mike and Don and all the elders. It's for all of us. And if this is your first time here at Firm, I want to let you know that this church is not a spectator church. If you call yourself a member, if you call yourself family, you're part of the vision that God has. Because each and every Israelite that left Egypt was part of that promise, was part of that vision that God has for him. And we need to grab a hold of this, that we need to be excited just like Don is. Should Don be excited about the vision? Yes. Should he be the only one? No. He shouldn't be the only one jumping up and getting excited about the move of God that's happening in Centerville and in Sturgis and in Mendon and in Coldwater, all over, all over our area. He should not be the only one jumping around. Doug should not be the only one on his knees crying out from a word of God. This vision is for all of us, church, each and every one of us. And I see this transitioning happening from Moses to Joshua. And I'm really wondering today, are there new people ready to champion the promise that was given to FFM over 20 years ago? So if the vision is greater than the individual, that means when transition comes, we need people ready. We need people ready. Because the elders of this church, they're not here forever. The kingdom is still here. And it will be here once they're gone, once I'm gone, once my children are gone. So we have just this, this inch of time. Here on earth, compared to eternity, what are we doing with this little amount of time, this gap where God has given us a vision in a hard time, and he's saying, what are you doing with the vision? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Where is your vision, church? Is your vision on what God is doing in this church? Are you ready to receive the promised land? Because you may not realize it or not, but you are sitting in a promised land. Hold that thought. So the Israelites, when they get to the promised land, it's easy to think, oh, the land of milk and honey. So they're going to sit back, kind of like in Key West, sit back and relax, chill on the beach, eating my milk and honey. Life is good. Life is good. The promised land. That's actually not what it was. The promised land was actually an embassy. It was a land given them, given to them by God to start building their army to conquer we need to understand that the promised land is not a destination but a beginning. The promised land is the beginning. A land filled with power, resources, access, victory, and hope. God provided the resources that the Israelites need, needed for the, for the years and years to come to conquer. The years to come. And that's what God is doing here at FFM. If you don't believe them, please believe me. I was four years old. Where you're sitting at right now, this really cool building, it was actually a field. 
I remember we, we had church on Seventh-day Adventist. We rented out that place right there on 86. I remember, I remember Betty going crazy on the piano. I remember, four or five years old. I remember we would come to this field to have fellowship meals, and there was nothing. Nada. There was nothing here. But look around. Look around, guys. People said they were crazy to build a church here. Look around. And now more, more than just, I was about to say, every, I bet every, someone from every part of the county is represented, but we probably got more. We have people in here from all over. Indiana. Think about it. We're sitting in a promised land. God has given us the building. He's given us the finances. He's given us the technology to do his work today. Guys, we're starting a Bible college in Centerville, Michigan. Centerville. They even spelled it wrong. Centerville. I'm telling you, I don't get that. Centerville. We're starting a Bible college, guys. We're starting a scholarship where young people can be raised up and go and change the world through missions and through Bible school and through all those things. Come on. He's doing something here. And the last thing I want to do is look back and say, God was doing something and I didn't hop on it because I was too caught up on what was going on in the media. God is doing something. Guys, he has given us a buffet full of opportunity, filled with opportunities to serve, filled with opportunities to seek his word and to study and to see what he has for us. But I'm afraid we are full with the world stuff. God has provided, provided us something today. We need to grab a hold of it. The wise man, Don Smith, once said, breaking new ground requires feet in motion. And I praise God for the new ground, but are there young people here today ready to put their feet in motion? Are your feet ready to move? Are you ready? I'm calling up each and every young person today that calls themselves part of firm. We need you more than Sunday morning. We need you. Your classmates need you. The people at work, they need you. It's time to conquer, church. When I see Joshua's life, I saw him ready to conquer, and he did. Joshua conquered the vision that God had for him. It's time for us to conquer the vision that he has for us. Amen? Yeah. It's time to conquer this, this area, this world. And I'm not worried about packing seats. It's not about filling this room. I don't care about packing seats. I'm worried about packing heaven. Yeah. There's a difference. It's time to conquer. And today I want to talk about what does it look like practically to, to conquer the promise and vision that God has for us. My first point today, if we want to conquer this vision, church, we got to be committed. We got to be committed. Let me, I want to read a, uh, a quote that I saw this week um, by Kenneth Blankard. It says, there is a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in something, you do it only when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. And that's my question today. What, what's happening in, in the kingdom? What's happening in firm? Is it convenient for you? 
Or, or is there a commitment inside? You just coming because it's convenient? Or are you coming because you know God is doing something and you want to be a part of it? There's a difference, church. Commitment. We see in this story that Joshua was challenged by God for a commitment. His leader's dead. And God comes to him and says, be strong and courageous. For I will give you the land to inherit. We need to catch this detail that, that it's an amazing thing that God he always reminds us that he's with us before battle. <clears throat> Every story I read in the Bible is where I see a man or a woman of God conquer and, and live out the plans that God had for them. He always came to them first and said, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't you worry. But in this moment, Joshua had to see beyond the physical eyes. Because in the physical, the great Moses is dead and they're not in the promised land yet. For Joshua to champion the vision God had for him, he had to believe in the victory before it came to pass. He had to believe in the victory of the walls coming down before they even marched around Jericho. Think about it. Think about it. He had to believe in that first. And this isn't just a a statement for what's happening in the firm. This is even for your own life. For you to find the full victory that God has for you, you need to see it and believe it before it comes to pass. Because God is coming to you this morning, he's grabbing a hold of your attention, that one area in your life that you feel like you have no hope, that one area in your life that that you feel like you'll never be free from because your dad had it and your grandpa had it and your grand-grandpa had it. God is coming to you and saying, be strong and courageous because I have freedom for you. Be strong and courageous. And for us to champion the vision that God, that God has for our lives and the vision for FFM, we need to have commitment and faith now to believe in the fruit later. Right. Right. We, we just want the fruit. Yep. We're sitting under the tree and say, God, I want the fruit. God, I want the money. God, I want the wife. God, I want the business. God, I want revival. But what are you doing to prepare the land? Right. What are you doing to prepare the land? God has really convicted me, convicted me lately. Saying, I've been saying, God, I want the rain. God, I want the rain. God, I want revival. And he's saying, are you preparing the field for the rain? Are you putting in, your, are you putting in the dirty work for the rain to come down? Are you preparing? We can't just wait around for an awakening. We need to fall on our knees and pray for an awakening. We can't just wait for everything in, in the White House to get all better and whatever. We need to start praying for our president. What are you doing to prepare for the reign of God? What are you doing to prepare the move of God in your life, the miracle that you've been praying for for years and years and years? What are you doing to prepare? We need to prepare, guys. We don't have a lot of time. Jesus is coming back. What are you doing to prepare? We need to get ready. And I want to share three things that we need to be committed to. For this to come to pass in firm and in your own life, the first thing, we need to be committed to the secret place. By secret place, I'm talking about personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about Sunday. The sanctuary here is not the secret place. It's not. Yes, we need the sanctuary to come together. It's biblical to come together in one accord 
Shout out young adults group. One accord, X2. That was a little side note. Young adults, from 6.30 to 8.30 on Tuesday nights, you're welcome to come. When we come in one accord, it's important as, one, as a body of believers to praise him and to thank him. But you need the secret place. When no one is watching, that's a better way to say it. I'm talking about praying when nobody's watching, jumping in your bedroom with worship when nobody's watching, falling on your knees when nobody's watching, opening up your Bible when nobody's watching. Are you doing that? Because it can be, it's, it's very easy to come to leaders of church and say, hey, I have this problem, this problem, and this problem. But are you going home to find the solution and the solution and the solution? Because, I'm sorry, Don is great, but he's probably going to get you frustrated sometimes. He's going to let you down. But you will never be let down in the secret place. It's important to come to leadership, but he's going to give you some homework. He gave me a lot of homework. I've gotten a lot of homework from this man, but I had to go do it to find the full freedom in it because it's all about between me and God. I don't know if you guys realize, but he loves you. And he loves you so much that you don't need to come to a pastor to go to God. It's not a connecting line. He's right there with you. He sees you. He knows where you live in Sturgis. He knows where you sleep. And he's right there next to you, ready, for, ready to receive you, church. Ready to receive you. I love this building. I love the praise here. But my greatest moments with God were not here. It was in my bedroom. It was in my car. The secret place. Are you committed to the secret place? Because if you don't have a personal relationship with God, I'm sorry. You will not see the vision of God for your life. There's no leader in this book that made a change without a personal relationship with God. Each and every person in this book. What what does it start with? The Lord came to Moses. Moses sought the Lord. Joshua sought the Lord. David sought the Lord. Even Jesus sought the Lord. When they look back in your life, will we be able to read and say, so-and-so sought the Lord. Donna sought the Lord. Eddie sought the Lord. Will God be able to say that for your life? We need to be committed to it. Vision is seen with our eyes closed, seeing a godly vision. How can you know where God is taking you when you don't even know how to take yourself to him? We're always asking God, what do you have? God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. You need some personal time with God. You need to go on a date with Jesus. You need to spend time with him. That sounds corny, but I need Jesus every day. And when I head out my door already spending time with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you say to me. It doesn't matter when my car has problems because I already spent time with Jesus and I know that I'm going to be all right. Because I have a personal relationship and I love him. Throw this up there. You will never be committed to something you don't love. I'm going to drink my water and now I'm going to say it again. (laughs) You will never be committed to something you don't love. Look at your small circle. Who do you call during the day? It's people that you love. Who do you stay close in contact with? It's the people that you love. Who are you committed to? The people that you love. And I'm telling you guys today that if you're not in love with Jesus, if you're not in love with God, 
you will never be committed to him. It'll happen for a week or so after the youth retreat. You might be on fire, little goosey-goosies, because the retreat was amazing. You might feel it for a week after the men's retreat. But if you're not in love with Jesus, it's going to fade away. Because we can get so caught up in the emotion of a moment, but not have any commitment. We need some commitment in here. God, be committed. The second thing you got to be committed to is the word of God. I ain't going to touch it because Don touched it really well last week. It says right here, meditate on the book of the law. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Long story short, read your Bible. How does, how does Don do it? God, tear it up. Right? Tear it up. Y'all don't read the Bible like I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the last time. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. This is my last time preaching in 2021. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we need this book, amen? amen? We need this book, especially now. The third, third thing we need to be committed to is the mission. Right? There's this huge vision that God has for us, an inheritance but there are many missions. There are many battles that happen. We see what was the big vision for the Israelites? The promised land. But man, they had to go through some fights. Multiple fights, multiple missions where they had to put on some armor. It wasn't just this, this big one, one big fight where Joshua just had to strap up once. There are many of different kinds. And we need to be committed to the mission that's happening right now. And what I love about Joshua is that he was committed to the vision because he was committed to the missions. Books before, Numbers 13, Joshua was a spy for Moses. This was way before Joshua's time. Years before. Remember Moses while, while they're in the wilderness, they wanted to go to Canaan to check it out. Moses sent 12 spies. Say, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go to check out this place as a spy to check it out to see how it is. You know, Joshua wasn't sitting there and being like, this guy Moses wants me to go be a spy? Does he know who I am? Does he know? Does he have any respect? No, he didn't do that because he was committed to the authority in Moses because it was authority of Christ. And I feel like that had to do with why Joshua, or God picked Joshua because he was committed to his leader. He was committed to the people above him. And if we really want to receive, if you want to receive the vision that you have for your life, you can't sit, stand around being entitled when people ask you to serve and to go out. It can be very easy to be like, children's ministry. Do they know who I am? Youth leader? Really? You want me to... Nick Booker, you want me to... Me to say, nah. No, I have a calling. Yeah, our call is to serve, guys. And through servanthood, through submission, God is going to lead you to the vision that he has for your life. And there's a responsibility that comes with it. 
When you say yes to the vision, you say yes to the responsibility that comes with it. And there's a responsibility on your back when you say that you're committed to Pastor Don. There's a responsibility on your back. When I committed myself in my heart to this leadership, because one, just to let you know, I wasn't forced to come back. I chose to come back, and I chose to be submitted. So when I'm submitted, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Don's going to tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. My dad tells me that I got to lead a song from the drums the day I preach, and I got to do hundreds of other things. I'm going to do it. Oh, I, I ain't mad. No, I ain't mad. I'm just. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Because through my submission in Christ, I know it's biblical to be submitted to the leaders he appointed. And God has, has appointed some amazing leaders at firm. Come on. If anyone agrees with me, can we? We are so blessed for our leaders. And we need to f- go with them. We need to be submitted to this. We need to be committed. Man, this is crazy what God has been doing because I was watching a sermon with my sister and my mom a couple of days ago. And man, talk about conviction. I just want to say one quote from this. It wasn't my words. Pastor Rich Wilkerson from Florida said this. If everybody behaved like you, would our church be better or would our church be worse? I don't really want you to think about that today. Please. And I'm, I'm, I'm not calling out anyone. I'm calling up everybody. Because the people here in the front row, they're not the only ones called. I want to encourage you. God has a call for your life. He has a plan for your life. But I want you to think about it. If everyone in this church served like you, if everybody in this church had the same attitude as you, where would our church be? Commitment, guys. We need to be committed. So we're talking about conquering, right? It's time to conquer. Who wants to conquer? Raise your hand, please. Who wants to conquer? It's time to conquer. So the first thing, we need to be committed. And the second thing, we need to be focused. We got to be focused. We have to stay focused on the vision. Stay focused on what God is doing. We can't just run to him for a moment. We got to be focused every moment of the day because we have an enemy. His name is Satan that he comes out to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's on the hunt for you every single day. From the moment you wake up, no, I'm sorry, when you went to bed, through the night, when that insecurity comes, when those doubts come, when those dreams come, the enemy doesn't go to sleep. Satan doesn't clock out. We can't clock out either. It's a fight. We have to keep on our, our weapons. If we want to conquer, we got to be ready to fight. And I'm with you. Always fighting. Always fighting. We need to be ready to fight. So we got to be focused. Are you focused? Because the moment we lose focus on the vision is the moment we fail. I like to have my beautiful volunteers to come up. Corey and the Wells boys. Give them a hand. Look, wow. Y'all look good. Can you guys get the thing and then set the chair? 
man, they already, they already know what they're doing. Oh, I forgot a mic. Is there a mic right there? Oh, we got one right here. Ann's mic, Ryan. Check, 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 check. Corey, how you doing? Check, check. No, no, no. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Taylor. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Let's try this again. How you doing, Corey? I'm great. That's good. It's good to see you. All right. So I want to do a quick experiment with you. It's really simple, OK? I'm going to write something on the board, and you just have to read what it says. Sound good? Yeah. Good. All right, let's, let's, let's test it out. Let's test it out. Corey, what, what does the board say? It says Corey is the best athlete. Nope, no. What, what does it say? Kobe Bryant is a better athlete. Nope, whatever. You, you're being complicated. <laughs> All right, so he can read. All right, so we're going to do this again. I'm going to write something on the board. And all you have to do is read it. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, first, before you read it, hold on. I got it song. Can, can you put these glasses on? You look good. You turn around to the people. You look good. <laughs> All right, dude, very simple. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to write something on the board. You just read it. All right. Sound good? Corey, what does the board say? Uh, I have no clue. What, what do you mean? It's, it's literally right in front of you. I can't, I can't read it. But you just read earlier what, what was on the board before. Can't see anything? Can't see it. Bro, you could literally touch it, probably. Bro, you could, you could touch it, but you can't read it? No. That's so interesting. Oh, hold on. Can you take the glasses off? What does it say? God's vision. Wow, good job. Can you give him a hand? <laughs> Good job, bro. That guy. That was so weird, right? Like, the first time he could read it perfectly. He added Bryant in there, which was wrong, but he could read it. But then I put these on him, but he couldn't read it. It's interesting because Corey was literally right next to God's vision. But the reason why he couldn't read it was because he was distracted. And I feel like many of us are so close 
so close to God's vision for our lives. But we're distracted. We're distracted. And the easiest excuse to not live out what God has called for us is because we say, oh, God isn't speaking. No, he's speaking. You're just distracted. You're distracted. And what breaks my heart today is I'm super happy that we have all these uh, technology enhancements. We, we've never lived in a time before like now where we can literally have access to anything at any moment, at any second. We can search up anything. We can watch anything. But the problem with that is that the church is distracted. Here's the problem, church. God has a plan for the United States of America. But many people love the news so much and they're distracted. They don't see what God is doing in the White House. God is doing something through COVID-19. But because we're so distracted on what the people on the internet have to say, we don't know what God is doing through COVID. And I'm, re- I'm here to challenge each and every person today that calls yourself a, a Christian, please, please, please do not be distracted. Because God is trying to say something. He has a vision. But we get so caught up in the moment that we're distracted. God has a vision for your finances, but you're so distracted by all the trips and all the cars and everything that everyone is telling you. Go on that trip. Go buy those things. Come on, let's go out to eat. God has a vision for your finances. Stop being distracted. Young people, God has a vision for your future relationship. He has a pure and beautiful woman of God, man of God, ready for you. But if you guys get so distracted by the attention you're getting from the boys on Snapchat, you're not going to see it. Where is your vision, church? God has a vision for your marriage. He has a vision for your marriage. He's a God of abundance. He said, I've come to give life abundantly. He has an abundant plan and vision for your marriage. But if you're so distracted by the little things and the complaints and the arguments and not seek the word, you will not see the vision for your marriage. Where's your vision, church? In 2021, when we're surrounded by distraction on Facebook and YouTube and Fox News and CNN, literally every channel, every commercial, every ungodly relationship. Can I go back to the board? God has a vision for your life, but many of us are so focused on the distraction of ungodly relationships that are pulling us from the plan and purpose that God has for us. No, but I'm being an influence. But as soon as the person you're influencing draws you away from praying and reading your Bible, they're influencing you. Where's your vision, church? God is calling us to put down our glasses. And I feel like many people here today have some glasses that you need to bring to the altar. No more distractions. God is speaking. He is moving in his word. He has a plan in 2021, guys. He's doing something. And I know it's frustrating. I know we're, we're angry. 
I know because of COVID, my grandparents might not come for my wedding. Come on, like it's frustrating. But we need to push all of the distractions, push away all the things on the side and say, God, what are you doing? Take off the glasses, sit in the secret place and say, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? It's time to be focused, guys. My last point today, to be focused, to have, to have the vision. Where is your vision? To be set and focused on the vision that God has for your life. You need to be confident. You need to be confident. So God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. In chapter 1 of Joshua, God says this three times. Three times. When God says something three times, that, that probably means it's important. You guys ever just hear God telling you the same thing over and over again? You're like, huh, I think he's trying to say something. In this scripture, he says, be strong and courageous three times. And he probably did this on purpose because he probably knew what Joshua was going through because God knows, what's we're going, God knows what you're going through. Amen? He knows our thoughts. His thoughts and ways are actually higher than ours. God knew what Joshua was going through because think about it. Think about it. Think about it. You think it's intimidating to preach after Pastor Don? Try leading a whole nation after Moses. Can you imagine taking over Moses? Can you imagine just that, that email? Can you imagine that meeting when you come into work? Hey, come to my office. Moses, you know, the man that, that spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. He did that two times. You know, you know that guy that, that came down the mountain and his face was glowing because he's so close to God? Yeah, he's, he's gone, and now you're in charge. See you on Monday. Have a great weekend. <laughs> like, think about the pressure, church. We got to think about it because Joshua was human. We can, I think it can be easy to idolize the, the, the stories in the Bible, but it's really guys just like you and me. And our stories could easily be in here. He was a man. And he was probably fearful because how, he could probably think, how could I get even close to the, the power and the authority and the anointing of Moses? But in the scripture, he says, God says, do not fear, right? Be strong and courageous. For as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Check out this detail. In Exodus 3, when God called Moses to take the people out of Egypt, he said the same thing. Just as I was with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, I will be with you. Years and years and years and years go by. New land, new leader, same promise. Just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. 
And I really hope each and every one of you receive this promise today. Just as God was with Moses, Joshua, Daniel, Nehemiah, David, just as he was with Jesus, just as he was with Paul, just as he was with the disciples, just as he was with Jay Ulrich and Andrea, just as he was with Doug and Nancy, just as he was with Tim and Lynette, just as he was with Eddie and Ann that dropped everything in Brazil and come to little old Centerville, he will be with you. Just as he's with been with many others, he will be with you. Because there's no problem or situation that is new under the sun to God. Because there was somebody years and years ago that was in the same situation you're currently in. And God was with them. We need to be confident in our God this morning. It can be so discouraging especially in days like today when we see chaos on every screen. All we hear is arguments through the, the, the mouths of people we love. It can be discouraging opening up our bank account. It can be discouraging. But he's telling us today that just as I was with Moses, I'll be there with you. And God wasn't just saying this for Joshua. He was saying this to you as you read it. And as you read that scripture, I want you to put a comment and then put your name. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you, Brenda. And I need to tell myself every day, just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, Brenda. We need to be confident in who our God is. He was with us yesterday. He's with us today, and he will be with us tomorrow. And I don't know what desert you're walking through. I don't know what sea of despair you're swimming through today. But God is with you. Please receive that this morning. God is with you. And for Joshua to receive this, he had to be hungry. He had to have the faith. He, he had to have the confidence in God, not himself. This is the gospel right here. I'm nothing. Jesus is everything. So I can give him everything. That's what it is. As you read and continue through the book of Joshua, Joshua wasn't perfect. And there were moments that Joshua relied on his own strength, and those were the moments that he failed. And there's been many times that Breno tried to rely on his own strength, and each and every time he failed. So I have to be confident in God. We live in this culture that's all about me, 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 me. You know, believe in yourself. I'm sorry, don't, please, don't believe in yourself because you're not going to be able to do it. But 
With God, all things are possible. Come on, we got to give him praise, church. With God, all things are possible. And you need to have some confidence. You need to have a little attitude with it. When the enemy comes and whispers to you and say, man, come on. You, ne- you, never, left, you never left town. You, you've been in broke too. You never got a raise. They're probably going to lay you off. You need to respond with some confidence and be like, Satan, did you know that in Scripture it says that God provides for the ravens and for all the other birds, and they neither reap or sow? So how much more is God going to provide for me? Did you know that, Satan? Because it's in there. And y'all need to understand that if God is providing for the crazy deer that try to run through the street and take care of my Honda Civic, God's preparing for them. How much more is he going to provide for his children, the people that he gave authority to, to run earth? Because he gave us authority, not the birds. How much more is he going to provide for us? When you're sitting in that temptation of sexual sin, of alcohol, of pills, the enemy is going to come and whisper in your ear and say, man, you really think you're going to find freedom? You really think you're going to be able to get out of this sin? You need to respond with some confidence. Stop being a victim. Respond in confidence and say, my word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I'm going to call out to a spirit real quick. Where's your confidence, church? Where's your confidence? I know a lot of us in here are confident about our favorite football team, but how about your God? Have confidence in him. And for us to receive this vision, this plan for this church and the vision that God has for your life, you need to have supernatural confidence. Supernatural. Seeing past the physical. Where is your vision? Is it in the supernatural? Is your vision in the supernatural church? You need to have that. And when you, to have the supernatural vision, you need to have confidence in the one who is supernatural. And that's God. We need to be confident in his power. We need to be confident in his goodness. We need to be confident in his faithfulness. We need to be confident in his sovereignty. And I really hope we leave this room filled with confidence men and women of God, ready to take on the battle of tomorrow. Please do not be a victim to Monday. Please don't. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God in you is greater than your problem. God in you is greater than your circumstance. You can have the confidence in that. We need to be confident in church. Who's ready to conquer? Raise your hand. Who's ready to conquer? It's time to conquer. It's time to conquer the school system. It's time to conquer the workplace. It's time to conquer this divorce rate of 50%. It's time to conquer our relationships. I believe I'm not going to be the only one in here that will be able to say, my first girlfriend was my wife. I'm believing it for you guys. But you got to believe in it too. You got to be confident. It's time to conquer our relationships. It's time to conquer the move of God. A rain is coming. A revival is coming. 
It's time to conquer that. It's time to be ready because God has given us a space, a huge space to fall on our knees and pray. And the last thing we want is to look back and say, wow, God gave me an opportunity to prepare for this nonsense and I'm not ready. Because when you look at the end of this book, it gets worse. Let me just say something real quick, real quick, real quick. I've heard people be like, okay, COVID, riots. Wow, this is really the end times. Can I just give you a, a quick perspective? Did you know that the guys that wrote that were, were killed for their Christianity? Did you know that John, the one that wrote Revelation, they boiled him in a pot? Oh, but COVID, quarantine, Ugh, end times. We're not even close. We're not even close. COVID is nothing. All this nonsense that's happening in 2020, 2021 is nothing to com- be compared to what God is calling you to prepare for. God is waiting for a group of people to be confident in the vision he has for us. God is waiting for a church in a small town to cry out to heaven in prayer and in fasting, waiting for him to move. Fun fact, only 12 guys changed the world. And we're in a room that can seat 400. What could 400 men and women of God do in this world today? Man. Oh, man. When I think about that, I get chills. Because, guys, God is doing so much more than you realize. Breaking new ground requires feet in motion. Is your vision on that new ground? Is your vision on that next step of your life? You got to start thinking proactively. Start thinking right now. What are the different areas in your life that you need to change today? Please don't let it be a New Year's resolution. We ain't got time for that. The kingdom is here. We ain't got time for that nonsense. We don't. The kingdom is here. Please, 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 please prioritize what God is doing here. Please, take some time this morning and say, where is your vision? Some of you guys might be here today. Or, Do I, am I distracted by something? What, what are your glasses? Is it the news? Turn off the TV. Is it social media? Delete your Facebook. Side note, if you delete your Facebook, nothing's really going to change. Well, it will, but for the better. Please delete your Facebook if it's a distraction. If you're in an in ungodly relationship, is it distracting you? You need to break up with them. Where is your distraction? Because God is doing something here in little old Centerville, Michigan. People are going to get trained to read the Bible. People are going to be ready to evangelize. People are going to be ready. We're going to, we already have young people who are living out their calling. Guys, think about it. Centerville won a state football championship. 
Look what God did through football. Imagine through our lives. And I know that Michigan and the world and all those people, they're going to know us more than just winning a state football championship team. They're going to be like, wow, they won a football championship and people are getting saved. Families are getting built. Wow, St. Joseph County, the, the, the divorce rates really went down in the last year. Wow, interesting. Come on, where's your vision? That's where my vision is. That's what I see. I see revival. I see an awakening. I see lives getting changed. I see it with my spiritual eyes. Let's stand. Where's your vision, church? Where is your vision? God has a vision for your life. Something greater than you can think or imagine. It's greater. Do not underestimate what God has for your life. Do not underestimate the move of God because he is moving and he is speaking. He's speaking right now. I encourage you guys all to close your eyes and just see where is your vision? What do you see? What do you see? So, um, hi, I'm Angela uh, Lawrence, and I live in Guatemala, or I'm supposed to, but COVID kind of derailed things. Um, the Lord has been giving me this word over and over again, and I just feel like I need to share. Um, the Lord is calling someone to make an Abraham-like sacrifice. He's asking for more than you feel like you can give. He's asking you to lay down your plans and your dreams or your comfort zone. Maybe it's your security, your health, or maybe it's that prodigal that may never come home. You know, Abraham didn't show his faith by his emotions or how he felt. He showed his faith with his feet. I can't promise you that the Lord will provide a ram instead of the sacrifice that he's asking of you. But I can promise you that he will provide the presence of the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the great I Am will be with you. Be obedient. Put your sacrifice at his feet Grab a hold of the hem of his garment because he's got more. You can't hold more if you've still got something in your hands. Let go and grab him. He's here for you. Amen. Grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that. If you need to come, come to the altar and recommit. If you feel like you've only been coming to church because it's convenient, God has so much more for your life. God has so much more because through a commitment there comes blessing and there comes provision because when God says just as I was with Moses I will be with you I will provide for your family when you come and give your give a commitment to God don't think that it will affect your life in a negative way it's only going to get better God will provide for you if you need to be at this altar please come do not waste time do not waste time. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. 
Come today. Maybe you're in here and you've never heard the gospel. Maybe you've never heard about God. Well, he sees you and he has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. and Do not wait for tomorrow. Come to the altar. Maybe you're in here and you're committed to the vision. You want what God has for you, but it's been a little blurry because you've been distracted. Come to the altar and throw your glasses on the altar. Some people need to come and throw their glasses. Please come. Don't wait. It's time to conquer. It's time to conquer. It's time for the army of God to rise up in faith and in prayer giving them everything, everything that they have. Come to the altar. As we take this time to sing, as we take this time to cry out for revival, because we need to cry out for a move of God today. We need to cry out for what he is doing. And this sermon right here is simply a question. This sermon today was not a TED talk. It is a question. God, what are you doing? God, 